Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 16th, 2013. For newcomers, help yourself to my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see on that site lots of other sites listed there. These are all my official sites and they all carry lots of free audios for download. Where they go through the history of the big system you're born into and its plans and where it's supposed to go and who set it up and why and all the rest of it. And it saves you a lot of time uh, and a lot of homework, in fact, by taking these shortcuts to find out what's really happened over many, many, many uh, decades to bring us to where we are today. Because it's all planned that way, you understand. You're living through a big plan. Remember, to all those sites listed on the comm sites, uh, carry the audios, they all carry transcripts in pr- for prints up in English. And if you go into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts and other languages to choose from. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me tick along by buying my books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com because I'm not paid for by advertisers or anything like that, and or anybody else for that matter. And I depend upon the contributions and uh, selling the books and discs at cuttingthroughmedia.com. From the US to Canada, you can still use personal checks, remember, and you can also send cash or use PayPal or use an international postal money order from the post office. And you find out how to do it, as I say, at cuttingthroughmedia.com. And across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And member straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome during these incredibly austere times. I was in town today, and I'm not, every time you go in there, even the food has gone up about a third each time. Each six weeks you go in there, it's gone up and up and up like crazy. Because you see, a handful of companies literally own the world's food supply, and they own all these big chain stores and everything else too. This appearance of competition, there is none at all. But anyway, uh, as I say, I go through the system, the system that you're born into and how we're indoctrinated uh, very early on according to the needs of the masters and we're taught exactly what we're meant to believe in for the rest of our lives. And most folks really do believe that the media is there to uh, look an appendage to their brain to do their thinking for them without realizing they're private companies uh, with the editors and the owners and the, many of the top journalists, all members of the Council on Foreign Relations, private organization. And they're privately owned anyway, the, the, the companies. And they have their own agendas, of course. It's a big, big club, a big world agenda. And, uh, and the public, unfortunately, just they simply have been trained from an early age to that the TV is somehow special. It's like holy, it's separate from everything else. So it's a kind of holy status it's got. And, uh, and unfortunately, it works awfully well with most people today. And even, if I've mentioned many times before, Brzezinski talked about it. To, he said that shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They'll expect the media and the television to do the reasoning for them. And that's happened, unfortunately. It truly has happened. And, of course, with television, too, seeing is believing. So whatever you see on television must be true, and especially the way it's presented to you as well. Uh, you should go back to the movie Wag the Dog. 
and watch the movie again. It's an excellent way of how things can be done to shape your minds and fool the people. It's an amazing movie indeed. It should actually be taught in school, in fact, because they show you how to con the public by experts. And it's done all the time, in fact. It really is done all the time. Now, we're going through the biggest changes right now. This is the century of change, the 21st century. Academia prattled on about it for half a century in the last century because they're all um, on board with this globalist system as long as they manage to keep their high paychecks and, and go up with it too. Uh, and... Um, and they're completely on board. They're all basically, they believe themselves to be uh, better than average person. They're in academia, you understand. And they've been chosen by those who run the world to run the world for them and by indoctrinating the next generation of world managers. Quite an easy system. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, we're cutting through the matrix Talking about the big system and the century of change This is the old dream of all the revolutionaries long, long ago Not the ones you're thinking of, it's the ones that have been really behind things uh, And making the big, big changes right through the 20th century up to the present And uh, and they've been looking forward to bringing in this, this lovely world system for a long, long time Where they have a planned society of the population you won't get born unless they need you to work at something and if you they do need you they'll literally test uh, the, the, your genes uh, and probably when it's a fetus to see if you have the right stuff for the particular work they've got you planned for if you don't they'll just put you down the, the chute and that's it and I'm not kidding about that too because they, 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 it's, it's to be run by scientists at the top then bureaucrats and eight government agencies below masses of government agencies this is the new democracy this is what they mean by the the new freedom or change is good, you know. This is what they're talking about all across the whole planet. And you can't move from your area without your, your special ID and all the rest of it. This is the, it's a communistic system for the general masses of people run by a mass of, of, of levels of bureaucracies and agencies, government agencies. And then the fascist elite at the top. It's wonderful because see, they've already always worked together. We don't really look at it. Sometimes they even have pacts with each other. Like the Stalin-Hitler Pact, for instance. You know, they're both socialist-type governments, both funded by the same bankers in the West. But anyway, he's a, when a country's conquered, you understand, you produce nothing except pain and misery when you're conquered. And you can be conquered from people who live within the country or even outside the country. Other countries can then use you, like the British Commonwealth used lots of other countries to further their wars. And it wasn't British either, by the way, because it was London. And London generally wasn't made up of British people. You have to go through the history of London to see who was running it. But you get all the signs of decay. Now, the big boys who set up this global system knew there'd be millions of people left unemployed permanently. Uh, with it when they signed the World Trade Organization, basically not just allowing but paying companies to move up their tooling and factories, everything, and move over to China, paid for by the taxpayer. They knew all of the, of the consequences long before they touched it. But then once the folks started to catch on, saying, what's, what's happening? Everybody's moving. Uh, don't worry, you're getting a service economy. 
while Britain discussed the service economy back in the 1970s. And the top economist then said it's like a dog in a swimming pool. All you can do is keep paddling to keep afloat until you've no strength left and you're drunk. So you either manufacture stuff, and that's the top level, and all the processes up to the manufacture of the final product, which gives lots of folk job, never mind all the companies that support the main factories as well, and all the mines you have. Uh, or you've got nothing at all. See, if it's economy, you just buy things in and pass them around from middlemen to middlemen to middlemen. And then you sink, especially when uh, the U.S., for instance, was to, was to take over from Britain, which they did, with the cost of policing the world. Not policing the world to keep peace for the world, but policing the world to make sure that they could standardize and pulverize every other country into this world system of, of, a, of a system dreamed up in London a long time ago. It could have been anywhere in the world, but I'm seeing London because that's where these guys decided to settle. And they were international bankers or money lenders. And I've talked before about the Milner Group that, that merged with the Rothschilds and, and Cecil Rhodes Group, and then they, they, they called it the Royal Institute for International Affairs. These guys were behind wars. Their own historians give you a different version of history. They're very proud of it too. That they needed world wars to bring the, the world, uh, get the world to their, to their knees, so they'd give up uh, nationalism. And once you give up nationalism, you see. Uh, then they can destroy uh, what's left of the nation by massive multi-immigration so that another group can survive at the top, a new dominant minority. But the signs of, of a destroyed country are, are, are very evident if you've read uh, post-World War II Germany, for instance, and you've, you've seen what happened with Russia. Russia took over the eastern part of Germany and, and moved whole factories wholesale uh, into Russia. And other countries too plundered it. And that's what happens when you're, when you're defunct. Well, in the US, now that everything's pretty well gone, except the debt that keeps growing. It says here, it's, it's quite amazing, a little story. As the broken city thinks big and radically about its future, a developer is stepping forward with a revolutionary idea. It says, sell the city's Belle Isle Park for $1 billion to private investors who will transform it into a free market utopia. Free market, free trade, right? Since a 982-acre island would then be developed into a U.S. commonwealth or city-state of 35,000 people with its own laws, customs, and currency. Now, if you go back to 2008 or so, when I put up the 90-page report that came out from the Department of Defense for Britain and NATO countries, they projected the future of America, and then the, then the Department of Defense for the U.S. came out with a very similar one a few months later, a pretty well identical. But they talked about breaking up America into city-states. There won't be a few city-states. And so this is right along with that plan, you see. A city-state of 35,000 people with its own laws, its own customs. And currency. Well, I wonder who, who they will be. It won't be that ordinary people, obviously. City officials are likely to reject the plan, but on September the 21st, supporters including uh, Mackinac Center for Public Policy, senior economist David Littman, retired Chrysler President Hal Sperlick, and Clark Durant, co-founder of Detroit's Cornerstone Schools, will present the Commonwealth of Belle Isle plan to select a group, uh, to a select group of movers and shakers at the Tony Detroit Athletic Club. 
among the confirmed reservations of about 50 people who will hear the pitcher Sandy Barua, uh, president of the C and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber, and Beth Chappell, president and CEO of the Detroit Economic Club. Organizers say, and it's not clear if they know what's in store. We're amongst the people looking for answers to the city's problems, said Rodney Lockwood, uh, a Bingham Farms developer who is the driving force behind the idea. The former chairman of the Michigan Chamber of Commerce and current board member of the free market-oriented Mackinac Center for Public Policy has was written a self-published book about the plan called Bell Isle, Detroit's Game Changer, a website called commonwealthofbellisle.com. Debuts on January the 22nd. So, uh, there's things going on. They sound kind of silly. Uh, you probably ignore them, but you keep your eyes on them because they'll come to pass. There's big, big plans. Remember Jack's uh, Tally, who was the main advisor to about three or four Americans. Uh, he was a real boss, in other words, of a three or four uh, pr- uh, presidents of France. And he now works at the United Nations. Remember, your presidents are nothing. Your prime ministers are nothing. They're just front men. The guys behind them are the bosses. And uh, Atali put out a book in the 1990s called uh, Millennium, Winners and, and Losers in the Coming New World Order. As I say, he's now at the United Nations working. And uh, he talked about these, these city-states as well. Uh, would come up. And his second book did that too. But so did the, the Department of Defense with their projections up to the year 2030, 2050, they also said the same thing. So keep your eyes on this kind of thing, because they're not talking nuts after all. Now, as everyone knows, I'm sure, uh, this is from the office of Governor Andrew M. Cuomo. This is, uh, dear fellow New Yorker, uh, Governor Cuomo signed the New York SAFE, S-E-F-E, Secure Ammunition and Firearms Enforcement Act. I love these little acronyms, don't they? Groundbreaking legislation will put in place the toughest gun laws in the nation to better protect residents from senseless gun violence while respecting the rights of legal gun owners and sportsmen. And it says what they're going to do here is to ban the sale of assault weapons. Now, any weapon can be assault weapon, even a brick, you know. It says require mental health professionals to report to local mental health officials when they believe a patient is likely to engage in behavior that is dangerous to themselves or others. And that really, you can see the point to an extent with psychiatrists who have psychotic people. You understand that, but there are also people who are not psychotic who, who might get labeled as well. And then again, they want everyone who wants to have a firearm to be to go and see a psychiatrist. Now these psychiatrists will all be appointed by the government and local government in the city, and they'll be against guns anyway. So if there's anything they can get on you at all, or, or, the, or even if they don't, they'll just make it up, and that's you for life, for life. That's it. Never mind other people phoning in too. This has got a grudge against someone. That happens all the time from the citizens, especially if they get anonymous tips and so on. That's that. Anyway, it says, make New York the first state in the nation to ban any magazine that can hold more than seven rounds and run instant background checks on all ammunition purchases at the time of sale. Track ammunition sales in real time to alert law enforcement to high volume purchases. But the biggest high volume is the government itself, not as different agencies buying up like crazy. Create a statewide standard requiring recertification of pistol permits every five years. 
ensure that private sales of guns are subject to a background check and toughen criminal penalties on those who use illegal guns, including measures to help combating uh, or combat gang violence. Well, that's a joke because gang violence has been here for a long time and it's going to stay. And it says the bill balances the urgent need to both crack down on these lethal weapons and keep our communities safe, while still ensuring that sportsmen and other legal gun owners have access to guns to which they are entitled. See, everything's, everything's a, a privilege, understand. That's what entitlement is, too. It's a privilege, you see. Mind you, I don't know if you've ever read the book by um, Victor Ostrovsky. Uh, he was a Canadian who, he was Jewish, uh, and he was recruited by the Mossad when he went down to the States. And they, he said that he said there were cells in every city across America of the Mossad, and they were armed to the teeth. Armed to the teeth. I bet you anything, there was, there was big magazines there and uh, no permits allowed. Mind you, they would never get raided, though. Uh, it's, it's different strokes for different folks. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix. And also, too, uh, as I say, that, that book was mentioned there by Ostrowski was called By Way of Deception, which is part of the motto of the Mossad. It's called By Way of Deception, We Shall Wage War. And it's worth reading. And his second book was uh, The Dark Side of Deception. And he exposed an awful lot and eventually went on the run uh, when he came back to Canada because uh, he'd let too much out of the bag. But he had a conscience. And now, another article, too, is Christopher Monckton of Benchley. Everybody knows Christopher Monckton, of course. He's, he comes out with uh, the facts on uh, that climate change characters don't want to hear. But he's, he's also coming out now, too, because Obama is pushing, uh, again, this complete integration of all European countries, uh, which, again, is this world agenda. It's been here for an awful long time. A minority group runs it and pushes it because they feel safer when everyone's uh, multicultural. And they themselves are then dominate them all. But it says here that a senior official in the Obama administration has gotten himself into hot water by telling Britain what to do. Obama's view apparently is that it's in the interest of the United States that Britain should remain a mere satrapy or vassal state of the hated European tyranny by Clark and should not think of leaving. So let me introduce your Kenyan president to Thomas Jefferson. Just come with me, Barack, to, into the rotunda of the Jefferson Memorial preeminent amongst the the numerous wonderful examples of the high classical revival in your nation's glittering capital. And it says, there you'll see a dignified statue of a great man, 19 feet high, inscribed in in the frieze surrounding him at at his head height, is the following quotation from his many trenchant and always elegantly expressed contributions to the philosophy of government. He says, I've sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every tyranny over the mind of man. And you understand, too, that the thing about people is you've got to recognize tyranny in the first place. That's when people tell you what to think, what they forbid you to say or even ask questions about. That's tyranny, folks. I hope you realize all of that. It says, when Jefferson gave your nation a republic, if you can keep it, he gave your nation democracy, too. Government of the people, by the people, for the people, as your 16th president in the greatest speech ever made neatly put it. 
In the old country, we had a similar moment in 798 years ago on the banks of the Thames at Runnymede, where the barons of England, now the House of Lords, persuaded the ruthless King John he must not uh, no longer govern by the arbitrary and capricious exercise of his will, but must instead accord to the people and entrench by a signature on the Great Charter the rights and freedoms we have enjoyed ever since. Until the European Union came along, it was not just undemocratic, but anti-democratic. Every five years, mere voters are permitted to participate in the pantomime of electing their representatives to the European Parliament. But the Soi-Dissant Parliament is powerless. This Parliament of eunuchs cannot even sire a bill. It says now, even, it's true, they have no power, these, these front men, to just get the appearance of some kind of democracy. They, they, have, they can't change a bill, they can't pass a law, or strike down a law. So now even the right of habeas corpus, the fundamental right not to be imprisoned without trial, has been swept away. Any tin-pot uh, uh, EU government can exercise the arbitrary powers of an absolute monarch by issuing a European arrest warrant. There's no trial, no extradition hearing, no requirement that there should even be a smidgen of prima facie evidence against the victim. He's arrested, brought before a judge to ensure he's a person named in the warrant, bundled into a plane and locked up and starved in some foul foreign calabozo uh, for indefinite periods, often months at a time without trial. Says we Brits are not prepared to tolerate this disgusting reinvention of tyranny for a single instant longer. If we have anything to do with it, government of the bureaucrats, by the bureaucrats, for the bureaucrats, shall perish forever, forever from the earth. Whether a governing class like it or not, we're not going to have a referendum on whether to stay in the EU or come out. We're going to vote to come out. A recent European-wide opinion poll showed that 48% of the citizenry favoured EU membership. No surprises there. Half the EU member states are heavily subsidised and heavily subsidised the other half. Those on the receiving end are in favour of being on the receiving end. The same poll fascinatingly showed 96% of Europe's bureaucrats and politicians favouring the EU while they all get paid awfully well for it. Support for the tyranny amongst the tyrants is twice as great amongst their victims. The United Kingdom Independence Party, which, as its name implies, wants to win back independence for the United Kingdom, is now riding high in the UK and may even become the largest UK party in the European Parliamentary Pantomime next year. What really frightens uh, Dave Carman, the massively inexperienced PR person who is now Prime Minister, is the UKIP now threaten his Tory party in UK elections too. At the last election a couple of years ago, we took enough Tory votes to prevent him winning an overall majority in Parliament. Now his backbenchers are telling him to give us a referendum on whether we stay in or come out of the tyranny by Clark. Uh, Polls show two-thirds of us want to leave. Why is it that Democrats are so anti-democratic? Our equivalent Labour Party is at one with your president in opposing the notion of a referendum to let us decide whether we get our democracy and our independence back. The left have always been and will always be dedicated supporters of tyranny. And it's true, under the guise of liberalism, the most intolerant people of all have always said that. They forbid you to say things. They forbid you to think of things. They even forbid you to ask questions or have an opinion on, on certain things. It's forbidden actually pass laws about it. Remember what, 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 what uh, Khrushchev said? And, oh, in America, we don't call them communists. We call them liberal, he says. 
You should know because all the professors were working in America by that time from the East. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the Matrix. Just finished an article by Christopher Monckton, where he's talking about Britain and the U.S., and it says, The left have always been and will always be dedicated supporters of tyranny. The National Socialist Workers' Party of Germany, the Fascists of Italy, the Communists of Russia and China, all were parties of the hard left. So the last thing their political ears today will countenance is the notion of letting the people decide whether to live under a stifling tyranny or whether to live in democracy and freedom. It's an intriguing irony that we, uh, from whom your nation won its freedom, you know, it says Britain, now find ourselves reading and rereading the great speeches and writings of your founding fathers to relearn from them not just the rhetoric of freedom, but its meaning too. And it says, God bless America. And also, I'll put up a list of uh, the actions, the executive actions that Obama plans to take as part of this so-called anti-gun violence plan. It's so crazy when you look at it. I mean, most of the news for years now, since the 90s, has been about American troops abroad with their guns, which the government gave them. See, it reminds me, you understand, of Britain uh, and, and wartime. And Britain and wartime, and I've had relatives and grandpaps that were in World War One and in World War Two. And these guys couldn't, couldn't own anything over there, even a pop gun, you know. And come the war, though, you know, they, they want you to join up. And in the Second World War, they, they drafted folk as well. And they train you, and they'd give you a rifle with real bullets and, and real bayonets and show you how you kill folk. So it's okay to go off and kill people for the empire, you see. And it was the Queen's Empire, too, remember, still is, actually. And and then they often fought, and the ones that came back and survived and, and lived, uh, had to. They, they were all their weapons were all taken from them in the boats and, and debar- debarkation, and um, and they were back to square one again. You see, uh, so it's okay to go off and slaughter uh, on mass. That is, uh, anybody you want to, as long as it's over there somewhere that they point to. It's okay to slaughter any of them, but uh, but uh, and to defend yourself too. But you can't do it at home. You see. Only authorities can do it at home. And that always sounded crazy to me in the first place. The very fact that uh, you were willing, too, to go off and kill people you never knew uh, had done no damage to you at all. You know? uh, and folks were willing to do it. And yet they couldn't get a farm at home to defend themselves if the case, in a lot of places in England now, especially the big cities, uh, and there's so much mass immigration, a lot of gang warfare from Eastern Europe too, gang warfare, who are running drugs too. And, um, the ordinary folk are completely defenseless. And they want to keep it that way, you know. But there you go, it just sounds crazy. But anyway, list of executive actions Obama plans to take as part of anti-gun violence plan. As I say, under the last few presidents, there's been nothing but violence abroad. This is I issue a president memorandum to require federal agencies to make relevant data available to the federal background check. 
and it says address unnecessary legal barriers, particularly relating to the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Acts, that may prevent states from making information available to the background check system. So they're going to get your health and everything else there too. If you've ever been a bit depressed as a child, for instance, or a teenager, as you're growing up, that'll, that'll disqualify you as an adult even. Improve incentives for states to share information with the background check system. Direct the Attorney General to review categories of individuals prohibited from having a gun to make sure dangerous people are not slipping through cracks. They've got a revolving door down there for the criminals. Do you think this is by pure chance they've got a revolving door? The article I read um, last, was it Monday or last week there, but the woman who, a, a guy who's just out of prison, he's been in prison a few times, decided to, to, to invade her home, and she went to a crawl space upstairs with her two children. When he opened the door, she had a thirty-eight uh, revolver, and she started blasting away at him. I mean, you understand that the guy will probably be back out. She didn't kill him. He'll be back out again in a couple of months. But they keep saying it's a gun, it's a problem. That saved her life and her children too, because with that guy obviously coming across it, she could describe him then, you'd have to kill her and the children. She's proposed rulemaking to give law enforcement the ability to run a full background check on an individual before returning a seized gun. Published a letter from the ATF to federally licensed gun dealers providing guidance on how to run background checks for private sellers. Launch a national safe and responsible gun ownership campaign. Review safety standards for gun locks and gun safes. And that all came, that, that was all done before in Australia, before they confiscated the guns in Canada and so on. Issue a presidential memorandum to require federal law enforcement to trace guns recovered in criminal investigations. Release a DOJ report analyzing information lost in stolen guns and make it widely available to law enforcement. Nominate an ATF director, provide law enforcement, first responders, school officials with proper training for active shooter situations. Maximize enforcement efforts to prevent gun violence and prosecute gun crime. Issue a presidential memorandum directing the Centers for Disease Control to research the causes and prevention of gun violence. <laughs> the children being brought up playing video games that are meant for the military so that they have no inhibitions about shooting real people. That's what these games were designed for. I've gone through the whole history of them years ago. They know all this stuff. I understand they know all this stuff at the top. It's meant to be that way. Direct the Attorney General to issue a report on the availability of most and most effective use of new gun safety technologies and challenge the private sector to develop innovative technologies. Clarify that the Affordable Care Act does not prohibit doctors asking their patients about guns in their homes. Release a letter to healthcare providers clarifying that no federal law pro- uh, prohibits them from reporting threats of violence to law enforcement authorities. Provide incentives for schools to hire school resource officers. Develop model emergency response plans for schools, houses of worship and institutions of higher education. Release a letter of state health officials clarifying the scope of mental health services that Medicaid plans must cover. Finalize regulations clarifying essential health benefits and priority requirements with ACA exchanges. Commit to finalizing mental health priority regulations. 
launch a national dialogue by the Secretaries of Sibelius and Duncan on mental health. So it's only come down to mental health. They understand if you want a gun in the first place, they're going to query your mental health for wanting one. You understand how it's all going to work. Mind you, there's nobody testing the crooks that get them. I was reading in Australia there, there's been heavy on, on so-called gun control, especially taking pistols and so on off people quite a few years ago. And Gillard is um, just going to have a bigger crackdown on gun violence in, in some of the big cities there. But she's blaming uh, the crooks bringing uh, unregistered firearms in for crime reasons, for criminal reasons, with the drugs. Of course they do that. They do that in every country. And they don't register them. But the populations are helpless when it ends up they can't shoot back when they get invaded. And then it's Article 2. You get little victories, but it doesn't matter when you're up against the big, big giants uh, with such massive money behind them. The Federal Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, better known as Vaccine Court, has just awarded millions of dollars to two children with autism for pain and suffering and lifelong care of their injuries, which together could cost tens of millions of dollars. The government did not admit that vaccines caused autism. They never do, you see, at least in one of the children. Both cases were unpublished, meaning information is limited and access to medical records and other exhibits was, is blocked. Much of the information presented here comes from documents found at the Vaccine Court website. And the link is here to up all these articles up tonight. Remember at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Some observers will say the vaccine induced in kepalopathy, this is brain disease, documented in both children's unrelated to their autism spectrum disorder. Others will say there's plenty of evidence to suggest otherwise. What's more, the, case, the cases fit the pattern of other petitions. And they give you examples of their petitions in which the court ruled or the government conceded that vaccines had caused encephalopathy, in which, in which in turn prompted permanent injury, including symptoms of autism and ultimately an ASD diagnosis. And most of these children now have taxpayer dollars earmarked for applied behavioral analysis and effective therapies designed to treat ASD. So I'll put this article up tonight too. For those. Now, what's interesting as well, none of the banks are trusting each other now as, as big moves or foots uh, to do many, many things in the world right now. But it, it starts off, it, says, it begins the Bundesbank in, in, in Germany uh, to commerce repatriating gold from the New York Fed. It says, in what could be a watershed moment for the price, uh, provenance, and future of physical gold, not to mention the stability of the entire monetary regime based on uh, gold and so on. It says, the German Handelsblatt report, uh, reports an exclusive that the long-suffering German gold, all official 3,396 tons of it, is about to be moved. Uh, specifically, it's about to be partially moved out of New York Fed, where the majority, or 45% of it, is currently stored, as well as the entirety of the 11% of German gold uh, held uh, as of this moment, it says. Held with the Bank of France. So that's what they do. You, you often do your debts and so on with the gold. This move around the room, you know. This is literally this move around the room. All the different countries have it in the one big place. The Bank of England's the same thing. The only difference was Adolf Hitler. He came over before the World War II started and took all the gold out. <laughs> anyway, it says here, 
And while it's one thing for a crazy lunatic dictator such as Hugo Chavez to pull his gold out of the Bank of England, it's something entirely different and far less dismissible when the bank with the second most official gold reserves in the world proceeds to formally pull some of its gold from the bank with the most this is, in brief, this is a momentous development, one in which may signify that the regime of mutual assured and very much telegraphed, because it's, it's the central banks don't have faith in one another, why should anyone else trust in central banks by other central banks is ending? Much more importantly, it's being telegraphed as such, and it goes through on what's really happening as they move gold back and forth across the planet. And also thank Sue. I'll put an article up uh, in videos to do with mass shootings in Big Pharma. Uh, it's quite interesting with the psychotropic drugs that are used. And it's true, they have to admit it from, from all their, their studies, that 90-odd percent of mass shooters are on psychiatric drugs. And it's just astonishing the stuff that they're on altogether. Mind you, this is the age of, you know... Um, you see, it's all to do with transgenderism and all the rest of it too. Many, many years ago they said they would like to have the little boys in the school behaving just like the little girls. Well, little girls were pretty quiet in the school, and they could sit still. Little boys, you know, between the five, five and twelve, are, 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 I'm telling you, you've got, you just you can't sit still. You've got energy. You're supposed to be climbing trees and things and running. But, the, but then came Big Pharma. Because I understand, with the far left and all their belief that gender is something that's put on you by your parents. You learn that you're gender by your parents, and there's no difference in the genders. So that they make it so by drugging the boys. And remember, too, most leaders come from the boys. And most opponents that would grow up being opponents of this new world order system would be males. And so they wanted to get rid of, of the, the ones who would be the leaders especially. By drugging the children and making it a common thing. Popularizing through all, all big TV talk shows and stuff. And it's happened. Big, there's big, big reasons behind everything. It's not just all money. There's big money, all right. But it's not just all money. Never believe that for a second. You're going through a system here. And knows exactly where it's going. Now, in horse meat, horse meat is found in beef burgers in the UK and Ireland. I bet it tastes better than regular beef because... You don't know what you're eating anymore. Canada, you haven't got a clue what you're eating. The junk they sell as food, which goes up about 30% each time you go in there every every few weeks. I'm not kidding either. Yeah, it's the same in the States. It's all the shooting up as they inflate the currency, as you call it. You don't know what you're eating. It's tasteless. Tasteless. A lot of it you can't eat. And because, again, you've got the monopoly of these grocery chains, uh, there's, there's no competition. Monopolies are hell, folks. It's all part of the New World Order to monopolization. If you have small uh, mom-and-pop stores, and you used to have that even in the big cities, all lying in the streets too, you got umpteen greengrocers, umpteen butchers, and all the rest of it, you had competition, and you got good stuff. But once the monopolies kicked them all out, in every sphere, even, even with hardware and everything else, then there's no competition. They jack their prices up, and you're at their mercy. But when you're at their mercy for food, you're in trouble. Because, you see, they don't eat the junk they give you. I mean junk that they give you at the bottom. Anyway, it says, Millions of beef burgers on sale at several supermarkets in the UK and Ireland being pulled off the shelves after food safety officials found they contained horse meat. 
Investigations have been launched at three meat processing plants in Yorkshire and the Irish Republic. The Food Safety Authority of Ireland, which had carried out checks, said the products had been stocked by a number of chains, including Tesco stores in the UK. So I guess that's called filler now, I suppose. Maybe it's the only protein they put in it. Eh? Who knows? Now, I'll also put up this article too. Now, New York City is amazing because it's a, it's, it's a place unto itself, isn't it? There's no argue about it. And, and Bloomberg, who is the great dictator there, the guy who says he's got his own personal army, you know. And, and mind you too, I mean, you talk about mafia. Ooh, that's the real mafia. And, and the contracts that, that's, that are put out by governments and the, and the kickbacks that are getting different people who get the contracts. So it's massive, massive, massive cash. But Bloomberg also is a guy too that became a specialist in, in, in dietary things and so on, like ban salt and, and, and tells folk not to eat so much salt and sugar and all that too. Custom the size of the giant jumbo uh, soft drinks that you can get. I mean, yeah, the great dictator, isn't it? But now you see, he's become a, a specialist. He's a doctor now. He's a specialist now in, in, in pain, measuring pain in people. And so he says, so, so you'll suffer a bit. Bloomberg says combating addiction epidemic is priority as he hits back at claims that plan to restrict prescription painkillers will penalize the poor. So he's launched a crackdown on prescription drugs being dispensed at the city's emergency rooms on Thursday. Claims there's a city-wide national prescription drug abuse epidemic. Well, they, well they've had, they have had that for years. Big, big New York runs on this kind of thing. Craig's attacked a plan claiming it would penalise the poor who frequent ER more than others. But Bloomberg said there was no evidence they'd be worse off, and if they, if they were, they could suffer a bit for the greater goods. Well, these guys will go bananas to get cash, to, to get it on the street. So it says, um, it's lost the, the crank down on, on prescription drugs and said patients who, who generally needed painkillers might have to suffer a bit. So here's your collective punishment that these guys are really into. You understand? One guy shoots someone, ban all guns, you know. You've got a junkie here. Well, well folk who are dying of cancer, well, just have to suffer a bit. You understand? This is collective. This is the same characters that you did run Russia. The same way. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. I'm back. Cutting through the Matrix and... Talking about uh, the great dictator, Bloomberg, and it says here that um, some people claimed that uh, it would hurt folk who didn't have any insurance and hurt the poor, who could be terminally ill and all the rest of it too. And he said, well, he says, um, he says uh, they wouldn't be any worse off, he says, and if they were worse off, he says, they could suffer for the greater good. There's compassion for you. It's just them, you know, them, them, the others. So I'll put this link up tonight too for those who wonder how we got in the mess we're in and are, and are ignorant of it too, because you shouldn't be ignorant of why you're in the mess you're in at all. You really should not be. And also too, we've got Prince Charles. Prince Charles, the guy who, oh, the lost prince, the guy that, that they had no function until they got a function for him, for wildlife and all the rest of it. This guy was an idiot in his schools. I mean, he failed every exam he ever sat. And uh, mind you, they're so unbred. But anyway, new population study, it says, um, 
he now endorses a new draconian population study. Prince Charles has openly expressed support for a recent population study by biologists Paul and Anne Ehrlich. Remember, remember them? The population bomb and all that stuff. Calling for drastic global efforts to reduce fertility worldwide. That's for you lot, you know, you're not, like you lot, you know. On the official website of the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles commended Paul and Anne Ehrlich's latest population study published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society on January 8th of this year, calling, amongst other things, for globally provided backup abortions to avert overpopulation catastrophe. The Prince writes, We do, in fact, have all the tools, assets, and knowledge to avoid the collapse, of which this report warns, but only if we act decisively now. Now, when these characters say this at top meetings, you understand they put things into action they won't tell you about like what's in your food. It's been in your food for an awful long time and in your water and in your inoculations. Don't forget that at the end of World War II, the king at the time, before he died, before he croaked, had a world conference in London about depopulation. And they kept most of its secrets, except they did come out with a worldwide inoculation plan. That was interesting. Anyway, it says, in the latest study entitled, Can a Collapse of Global Civilization Be Avoided? The biologist Paul R. Ehrlich and his wife repeat their decade-long mantra, namely that global population growth is certain to collapse civilization as a whole, and only a concentrated global effort to reduce fertility may avert the feared catastrophe. Now, don't forget that all the countries in the West and the United Nations admits this now as well, because they give you the stats every year, the native populations are plummeting and have been for years. And they're flooding immigration in, not just to destroy the culture, which they've actually admitted, as Tony Blair's cabinet did. They admitted why they were bringing them in, because a lot of them didn't get jobs. It was just to destroy and weaken the existing culture, so they couldn't ever rise again as a culture. But also, they also said that it was to pay off the national debt. That was a good, a good one, that one. Because the, 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 the folk that were there, the British folk, weren't having children or enough children. Because they were good people. They were doing what they were told. Don't have children. Don't have children. If you do get have one. <laughs> so anyway, it's monumental but not impossible. And if the political will could be generated globally to give full rights, education, and opportunities to women and provide all sexually active human beings with modern contraception backup abortion, the degree to which those steps would reduce fertility rates is controversial, but there are likely win-win for societies. And it goes on and on and on by this prune that couldn't even pass an exam. In the 70s, they kept saying the king with, with, with no direction. They couldn't have, they didn't have a job for him. So they, they shut him into this end of it too. Suddenly it was in nature. They jumped in overpopulation of, well, you know, the peasants. The peasant class, for goodness sake. Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God. Or your gods go with you.